Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So it is a new year, and I kind of thought I'd start off this morning with a question. How many decisions do you think you made this past year? Any random guesses? Pretty, yeah, actually, um, you know, when you have a question like that, what do you do? You go to the internet, okay? Because the internet has all the answers. So I actually, I typed in, I Googled, how many decisions does the average American make every day? And I got everything from 5,000 to 35,000. <laughs> That's the internet, you know? Just take a guess, put it up there, and everybody will believe you, because there it is. It ought to be true, right? But I actually did find... Um, Doctors Brian Wintwanski and Jeffrey Sobel from Cornell University actually did a survey with people, and they found out that the average decisions made just about food, okay, just about food, on average, we make 226.7 decisions a day just when it comes to food. And so... They actually tried to the whole thing, and they tried... Are we there? Are we not there too much? Um, they actually, they went through, and they, they went through the Starbucks menu. Do you realize that, now I don't know if this is true, but it was on the internet, so it's got to be. 87,000 different choices of drinks you could have if you all the combinations that are available at Starbucks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you believe that. I don't know if I believe that. I do know, though, that my television... Um, Provider, I, I have over 450 channels available to me, and nothing is on. <laughs> you notice that? I mean, we have all of these choices. So I just kind of went, if we kind of go on the low end, if you say maybe you make 3,000 choices a day over the course of a year, that's a million choices, over a million choices. And, and if you just make 1,000 choices a day, you're in the hundreds of thousands in one year. That's a lot of choices, a lot of decision-making. And most of them are very minor, very small, very inconsequential. Don't make a whole big deal of difference from one day to the next. But there are some of those major life decisions that we make, major life choices. Those, those decisions would seem like a, a fork in the road, and where are we going to go from here? And um, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, before we were interrupted by Christmas, um, we were doing this series called Life Apps. And um, I want to wrap it up today, um, and I think it's very, very appropriate with uh, James chapter 4. And if you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James writes, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. See, when it comes down to those major decisions, our big task is we want to figure out how to choose the right thing. But what James says is, no, 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 it's more important that you choose the right way. Because if you choose the right way, you will end up choosing the right things. And that's what this whole passage is about. From God's perspective, he says, when it comes to planning your life, when it comes to, as we head into a new year and you're going to make all these major life decisions, when it comes down to that, there is a way that you ought to go through that decision-making process. 
I want to talk about that this morning a little bit. I want to give you three very critical questions to ask yourself. When you're faced with one of those major life decisions, um, or maybe not so major, but it's still a pretty big one, there are three key questions that you can ask yourself that James points out here. And I want to give them to you this morning. The first choice is that the first decision is, does this choice match my convictions? Does the decision I'm making, the choice that I'm making right now, does my choice match my convictions? In one sentence, James captures what is probably the quintessential decision-making process. If you look at it, he says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Those are all the kinds of things you put into planning. That's really good. It's a good plan. It has a launch date, today or tomorrow. It has targeted cities, this or that city. We'll spend a year there. There's, there's a time frame for it all. And even financial goals. And make, carry on business and make money. And he's even built some flexibility into it. You know, this or that city, today or tomorrow. I mean, if you look at that, that is like, that is the way you plan. You know, you set your goals. You, you target a launch date. You know, you have objectives and you, you have a, a strategy to carry it all out. If, if there's any passage of scripture that speaks to 21st century Americans, I think this speaks to it. Because that's how we mostly live our lives. Those qualities and characteristics are the kinds of things as, as parents we want to instill in our children. Be proactive. Take initiative. Plan well. Work hard. And if you have enough diligence and enough determination, you will make it in life. I mean, that is the American dream, isn't it? He says, but there's one thing missing from all of your planning. And I think more often than not, we do our planning more along the lines of the American dream than we do about God's dream for us. There's one thing missing in all of this. It's good quality, good characteristics, good planning, all those things. Something's missing. Over the Christmas holiday, uh, we had to get together and some friends and our kids' friends and had this one gathering together. And I was talking to a very, very successful businessman, young guy. He's 29. He might be 30 now. I'm not sure. He, he, he's gotten into this company and, and has just been like a front man and just doing incredible work. And he is driving nicer cars than I am. <laughs> living in a nicer place than I am, and, and, and he's, he's successful. And I was asking him about it, and I said, well, you know, how's your love life going? Oh, I don't have time. <laughs> and I said, well, did you, where, where did you go on vacation this year? I haven't had a vacation in five years. But my goal is to retire by age 35, and then, and then things will settle down, and then I can give my attention to all this. And I thought, you know, this guy is so successful. He is living the American dream. He is making it, but he's got no life. In fact, I asked him, and I said, so I said, the thing is, I love my work. And I said, well, that's great. He says, but I have no life. <laughs> I don't really have any friends. I have no relationships, no female relationships. I've got, I've got a really nice car, but I don't take a vacation. You know, Jesus told the parable about a man just like that. And, and by the way, James was the brother of Jesus. So I think James heard Jesus tell this parable, this story. It was about a man who was very, very successful in his business. He was a farmer. Had a huge harvest. Just more than he could handle. And his whole decision was, you know, what do I do? Because now I've got so much more. More than I can possibly handle. And this is what he said to himself. He said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That 
man in that story is the kind of person James is talking to. He said, you know, you're, you're so successful. You're making it in life. You've got all these business plans. It's a great plan and everything. But what is the one thing that's missing? God. God doesn't fit in that whole thing. And, and here's the deal. That there's so often a gap between what we say are our values and our core convictions and how we actually live our life day in and day out. James said, that's, that's the problem. That you're making choices, but they don't really match with what you say are your convictions. And I don't think we do that on purpose. I think we, with all best intentions, we want to. But what happens is, without even knowing it, we start compartmentalizing our lives. And so we have God on Sunday, <laughs> and then we have the rest of the week. Oh, maybe Wednesday night, community group, Tuesday night, whatever it is. But, but God fits into this box and this box. And all the other boxes throughout the week, those are mine. James says, you know, you're making great plans, but you're missing something. In fact, he starts this whole thing. He says, now listen. It's like he's saying, do you hear yourselves? <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you listen to what you're saying? You're making all of these plans, but you've missed the most important thing. Because the ultimate commitment that we are called to, the ultimate conviction as Christ followers is, is our allegiance and our convictions and our values in God. And if you're living your life and making all of your plans and all those decisions, but they don't match what you say your convictions are, you're missing the boat. So one of the key questions to ask yourself is, do my choices match my convictions? Because all choices and decisions and all plans should revolve around that one central thing, that God is at the center of my life. And everything runs from there. Second question to ask yourself is, Where does this choice fit in the light of eternity? Now, again, it's another one of those God questions. James reminds us of the brevity of life. He says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You're making all these long-range plans, and you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) You know, you can't even really plan tomorrow, much less the next year. Because you don't really know. See, we live under this illusion of control. We think that we are in control of our lives. And as long as everything's going good, the illusion holds up. But when things turn south, when things go bad, where do we turn? To God. God, get me out of this. God, you got to help me. You got to bail me. I got to. We've made all of our plans without him, expecting him to bless them. And then when things go south and we realize we're not in control, then we go back who really is this illusion of control James says what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes <laughs> that the term that he uses there is like when you breathe on a mirror you know it's a little bit cold and you breathe on a mirror and it kind of fogs up for just a moment and then clears back up again that's the analogy saying in light of eternity you're a puff of smoke <laughs> You're a puff of vapor here and then gone. Now he says, don't think of that as necessarily a bad thing, but, but just realize from the perspective of eternity, the decisions you make here and now really ought to be better decisions. And we ought to make choices that fit with eternal values. Randy Alcorn 
written a great book, and he uses this description. He said, if you moved in, or if you spent a week at a Motel 6, okay? Anybody ever been to a Motel 6? Okay. You get it. The decor is not the greatest, okay? So you move, you move into, you spend a week at a Motel 6, and you look around, and you say, man, this is, place is a dump. But you don't go out and buy new curtains, and you don't remodel the bathroom, and you wouldn't do any of those things. Why? Because you're just there temporarily, You get a rental car. You don't change the oil. You don't give it a tune-up. Why? Because you've only got it for a couple of days. It's temporary. And what James is saying is realize your life is kind of like that. It's temporary. This part of it is temporary. So the decisions you make, don't put all your investment, don't put all your time, don't put all your energy into the things that are just so temporary. You wouldn't do that in a Motel 6. You wouldn't do it with a rental car. Why would you do it with your life? My wife is a mentor in, uh, with Liberty High School, which is a continuation high school here in town. And um, dealing with kids for a lot of different reasons have, have ended up in, in, in Liberty High School. And, um, and what they've done is they've developed a mentor system there. And so she's got about five girls that she meets with. And, and, and one of the things that she tells them is, is just remember that, you know, five or ten years from now, you're going to be on with your life. And all that you worried about what all your other high school friends were thinking about you isn't going to matter a bit. I mean, do you remember when you were in high school or junior high? How important it was to fit in. How important it was to have people think good things about you. How important all those things were. And now you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s or more. And high school doesn't matter a whole lot at all. It's just temporary. James said, see your life in light of the eternal. To, to only live for the now reduces life to just a meaningful exist, meaningless existence. It takes all the purpose. It takes all the meaning out of it. And living in light of eternity is not just saying, well, then I've only got one life and I'm going to go around once, so grab all the gusto I can. He said, no, make decisions that reflect the eternal nature of your life. In Jesus' story with that man, he said that that night God, God called on him and said, you fooled this very night. Your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And the answer to that question is, Somebody else. You have worked all your life. You put all your investment into this. You have done everything to make this life on this earth successful. And now somebody else is going to get all the benefit of it. Say, make decisions. Now he's not saying don't plan. He's not saying, you know, move forward and, and do good things with your life. But he says, always, always remember that your life is just a breath. This isn't forever. But there is a life that is. And make your decisions based on that. Dr. Timothy Johnson said this. He said, we will never figure out how we should live our lives unless we fully understand the significance, the significance of the fact that it will end. And then what? It's just make decisions that have eternal value. Jesus said to this rich young, he said, it's foolish It's foolish to spend all your life investing in stuff that doesn't last. Invest in eternity first, and then you squeeze in the temporary. And that's the opposite of what we do. We live for the now and then squeeze in eternity somewhere. 
He says, no, live for eternity and squeeze in the now, the temporary. Make decisions that impact the eternal you. And your career is not the real you. And your possessions are not the real you. And your successes and your achievements, they are not the real you. There is an eternal you. They make decisions that build up the eternal you. That have eternal and lasting value. And the third question you can ask yourself. And this is a good one too. Does this choice that I'm about to make, does it rely on my determination or on God's provision? In other words, is this something that I'm going to have to have all the answers for? Is this something that I'm going to have to work hard at? This is thing that's going to be all on my shoulders? Or is there something in this decision that says my life is really in God's hands? And I'll make my plans always with the understanding that I'm totally reliant on God. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And the question is, where does God fit into your decision-making process? At the front end or at the back end? You probably hear people say things like, well, Lord willing, we'll do this. Or, you know, good Lord willing and the creeks don't rise. If you want to know where that came from, that's where it comes from, right here. But he says, it's not just a saying. He says, understand that all of your life is in God's hands. And in all of your planning, you put him at the front end. Don't don't make your plans and then ask God to bless them. Make your plans with God at the front end. Even realizing, God, I can't do this on my own. Here's where I need you. Because that will cause you to take steps of faith. That will cause you to move forward in eternal values. Because if all you're doing is living for the now and planning for the now and investing in the now and then asking God to come along and bless it after you, you, that's that's what you're going to end up with. And by the way, you're going to be extremely stressed (laughs) and overworked because it all is resting on your shoulders. James says, no, start with God up front. As it is, he says, you boast in your arrogant schemes. He's not saying don't plan, but he's saying all your planning, all your boasting, all these things that you're going to do. If God's not a part of that, that's really just presumption. That's arrogance. Because you really have no control over that stuff. With this illusion of control, just, just runs everything in our lives. And he's saying, no, put God at the front end. Surrender your life to him. And surrender is not a bad thing. Surrender is just simply accepting the reality that I'm not in control. God is. John Ortberg wrote, The reality of this world is that I was born into someone else's kingdom. My life came to me as a gift I did not choose. It is suspended from a slender thread that I did not weave and cannot on my own sustain. And when I accept that truth as a reality for my own life, Changes how I make decisions. Changes the direction of my whole life. And life becomes actually a little more enjoyable because I realize the outcomes are not in my hands anyway. I make my plans. I do my best. But ultimately, I can't control the outcomes. That's in God's hands. And it actually reduces the stress and gives you a little bit more faith and allows you to live a little more freely. 
So he finishes up with this. So if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you sin. What he's saying is it really comes down to obedience. And a lot of times we're looking for God's will and we want to know God's will and God's um, plan for my life and making all these decisions and we want God's will. And, And the truth is in his word, we have a lot of his will. The problem is we don't do what we know. (laughs) We're always looking for something we don't know. Well, there's a lot we do know. So start with obedience. Start with what you do know. Putting God at the front. It's making Him and His eternity, His eternity, the goal of my life. And when that becomes a core conviction of mine, then my decisions come out of that rather than something else. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.